Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of the Stay Strong in America podcast. I am your host, Tyron Brown, here for another episode of our Wall Street Wednesdays. And ladies and gentlemen, I love my Wall Street Wednesdays because I get into topics that can deal with what's in your pocket, basically. Um, But more generally speaking, I discuss things that involve personal finance, um, finance on an overarching level. And I also put some element of socioeconomic, you know, discussion points in it so that you all are aware that this affects you. This affects those around you. And even if you have everything going right for you, it doesn't mean everything's going right for someone else. So please do me a favor. Stay tuned. And if you happen to be in a coffee shop, take out a notepad and jot down some notes. The same thing applies if you're in your own home or a friend's place. And if you happen to be driving, I just want you to keep your eyes on the road, but also your ears wide open. Because today's episode for our Wall Street Wednesdays is definitely going to be one for the books. So stay tuned. Just as a heads up before we get started with today's episode, I would like to provide you with this disclaimer. I am not a financial advisor, financial planner, accountant, or attorney. So please be mindful that this episode is for purely entertainment purposes. Therefore, should you have an interest in applying any of the information you hear on this podcast, I would suggest that you consult with someone who is certified and licensed as a financial advisor, financial planner, accountant, or attorney. Otherwise, you'd be doing so at your own discretion and liability. That said, let's cut to the chase with today's episode. So our episode today for our Wall Street Wednesdays is called Personal Finance is a War, Not a Battle. The reason I made this episode today is because I had an epiphany, which I believe should have came sooner if I was more of a man of my word when it came to my personal finances. That epiphany had everything to do with my budget, but more importantly, everything to do with what lifestyle I was choosing to live. You see, after some basic accounting of my budget, after taxes, (laughs) I recognized quickly that the main reason I was not able to save money was simply because I wanted to have it all. And when I say have it all, I don't necessarily mean I was not trying to be frugal or cautious with my spending, but having it all meant having it all at once. I want to live alone and pay the costs associated with living alone and not splitting rent with a roommate, significant other or family. I wanted to live in a decent and exhilarating neighborhood. I wanted to have a vehicle while also having access to a very convenient transportation system public, that is. And I wanted to pay off significant debt in a shorter time frame than my creditor has allotted while also investing some of my after-tax funds for the future, i.e. retirement. However, the more I looked at my personal finances, and even though I paid all my bills on time, the more I noticed how inconsistent I was in terms of my financial goals. I wanted to be able to live in the now, but also have the fruits of my labor magically appearing in my future. I wanted to live decent in all aspects of my now, but somehow be part of the financial independent retire early, otherwise known as fire community too. And honestly, I would say most of us want to have our cake and eat it too when it comes to our personal finance. But anyone who knows a thing or two about budgeting for long-term success knows that a budget includes some level of sacrifice relative to our financial goals, financial obligations, and our financial resources. That is why in this episode, I want to walk you all through a thorough thought process when it comes to a budget so that you understand that money is not just a math equation, but a behavioral equation with the latter having the upper hand in terms of follow through as it pertains to our long term financial success. More importantly, 
Your budget reflects the sacrifices you are willing to make as it is the temptations your finances fail to that can impact you for the long term. So stay tuned for more on this topic and keep in mind that your personal finance is a war because it's for the long term. You could take losses with a battle, but you always should aim to win the war. Okay, so first and foremost, everyone, please listen when I say this. Uncle Sam comes first. All right. Before you can tell me anything about your income, just be aware of your tax liability, because whether you are a W2 employee or business owner or you invest in real estate, understand that you have some tax liability there. Uncle Sam comes first to collect on his taxes. All right. So please be mindful of that, because a lot of times people discuss their income and they seem to just disregard taxes. Right. At any stage where you consider making income legally, though, you must consider taxes with it. And please become familiar with your after-tax income, even if it's annualized because you are a business owner investor in real estate, because it can give you a peace of mind when it comes to creating a budget, as it should reflect something that is accurate with no or minimal discrepancies for your act, from your actual income, all right? Too often, I hear people say, I make XYZ income per year, but they do not disclose or care to discuss what it looks like after taxes. But unfortunately, that will cause them to think they have more money than they do. I used to work in the retail end of the bank, and I saw all the time from our previous employer. A lot of customers come in there, they need help, they have some financial struggles and issues, or they want to apply for a loan or fix their credit or invest in for their retirement. And I first do a budget analysis with them. And one thing I just kept noticing were people talking about, oh, I make this much money per year, and they were talking about their gross salary. And I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Understand, you are a citizen of the United States. Uncle Sam comes first. Your taxes matter. And I emphasize that with them, right? I don't even care how much they're getting back at tax time, right? Because if you actually file your taxes correctly, you shouldn't be getting that much back in taxes, all right? Um, so I try to speak with them, sit with them, and see what kind of, what does your paycheck look like, all right? And when you get familiar with that, it just does you wonder because you're being realistic as possible. You kind of want to have a pessimistic approach when it comes to, you know, creating a budget and setting your financial goals. You want to be harsh on yourself so that if you don't do so good, you anticipated it. But if you do better than you anticipated, then that works in your favor. But the one thing you don't want to happen have happened is that you anticipating saving a bunch of money. In reality, you haven't saved much of anything. All right. So. I need you to be conservative in that sense and make sure that you consider your after-tax income. But as the old saying goes, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And although I like to add my own twist to it and say that it's how much you make, but it's not how much you make, but how much more, but much more about how much you keep and how you, much, how you spend what's left of that. Because a lot of times, People think, oh, it's about how much you keep. Well, you got to make some kind of income if you want to keep it. If you're making $15 an hour as opposed to $50 an hour, you're going to keep a lot less, right? Even if you have a lower tax liability, it's just that the income disparity is so large, right? But even if you are making income and a lot of income, understand that you're going to have a huge tax liability. So you want to meet with an accountant as early as possible, and you want to anticipate what your income is after taxes and how you can save on taxes so that you could keep much more of that larger income. Because, listen, I want you to get those promotions. I want you to grow within your industry or grow into a different industry that's going to make more income for you. But I want you to keep it and I want you to spend it in a very frugal, with a very frugal approach. 
I want you to have a very frugal mentality when it comes to spending your money for the sake of not so that you can't live. I want you to have a good time and balance that with living in the now. But also, I want you to save and invest for the future so you can obtain your financial goals, long-term goals, particularly retirement. All right? Do not make the mistake of losing the battle with taxes due to not understanding it or receiving tax penalties, which happens when people don't file their taxes and can put you in debt severely. Or leave you with an unexpected tax bill three to five years down the road, which can take out a lot from your saved income. All right. Remember, filing your taxes correctly with a trusted and reputable accountant is part of your defense in the war to win your personal finance, guys. So just keep that in mind. Uncle Sam comes first, but also you got to work with Uncle Sam to understand what your long term financial goals are. The next thing is that your budget comes second. Savings, your savings rate is your priority when it comes to your budget. And when I say savings rate, it means your ability to save um, and uh, the amount you save and how often you save. All right. The frequency of that. And I would say do not make savings a line item initially within your budget, because if your budget at the last line um, item says zero or a negative number, then essentially you have no room for savings. So don't assume that you're going to have money to put away for savings, right? As much as I'd like you to prioritize that, sometimes people need to see how ridiculous their budgets really are. This means that you must make some sacrifices. And at times, and it, it may include what you thought were needs. Sometimes that may, may mean getting your hair cut or done less frequently or even resorting to doing it yourself. This may include giving up something that can change your lifestyle. For example, moving to a city with efficient transportation may mean selling your car. And while I can share the same sentiment as those thinking it would be hard going from a driver to a pedestrian, I can tell you that I am considering making this huge step as my car with its loan amount, insurance and tolls is taking a huge chunk out of, chunk out of my budget when I can use public transportation. And guys, like. I said that in the beginning and I'm saying it now, like I had to look at my budget and say, wait, this is costing me probably $830 a month. Not because that's my car payment. My car payment is only $257.59 a month. All right. And it's at a 2.99% uh, interest. You know, I lucked out with that. But at the same time, I'm looking at all the other things associated with it. Thankfully, I have free parking where I live in at now, but it's like there's tolls, um, there's car insurance too. And you need to put all that together. And it's like, man, you know, if I just had a, a, you know, a monthly unlimited Metro card, I could just be saving a lot more money. But there's two ways I could look at it. I could look to paying off my car, which has about $10,000 balance left on it. Or I can look to cut costs where it's at now. And I figure, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and keep my car, you know. But if push comes to shove and something happens... You know, I get a pay cut, which I doubt will happen, but you never know what this world holds. I'm going to give up my car if I need to, you know, um, and I think a lot of people forget that you have to make these sacrifices when it comes to your personal finance, you know. So look at your, you know, how much you want to save. And if you're not hitting that, you either got to make more income or you got to give something up. And a lot of times people say, I'm going to make more income and it doesn't happen until years later. But in the meantime, they haven't gotten themselves out of debt. So it's like sometimes it's good to make more income and on top of that also cut things out of your life so you're able to save much more of that higher income. All right. Next thing, stop thinking you can out earn your financial recklessness, guys. I've been there myself. And if you are a Dave Ramsey fan like me, who's he's a radio personality who discusses getting out of debt. 
if you are a fan like like me of, of Dave Ramsey, guys, listen to that man. All right. Every time I listen to him talk about that, you know, about how people lack self-control and feel like they can make make up for, you know, their financial decisions by working more. I come to understand, like, it doesn't work that way. Right. If you're going to work more, it's to pay off the debt that you already have, not so that you keep you could keep making reckless mistakes. You know, I actually dated somebody in the past and um, for a very brief period, we didn't even like I, I wouldn't even consider it dating. But we just discussed certain things regarding finances. And I realized that they were just going out and about and, you know, doing like, you know, um, uh, Uber Eats on the side to make some more income. But it was really to fund an additional material um, part of their lifestyle. Right. And it, it really wasn't to pay off the debt that was already existing. You know, um, my, I myself, I do DoorDash sometimes on the side as a, as a hustle to make extra income. Um, but that's for me to pay down any existing debt that I have. Not to make up for the $800 vacation I decide to go on to, um, you know, during winter break or during spring break. No, guys, <laughs> it's it's about being responsible. I don't feel like I can, you know, out earn my stupidity when it comes to my finances or, or out earn me spending money on material items, guys. It's so that I'm sacrificing my time to pay off the mistakes I already made, not the mistakes I can, I will continue to make. All right. So part of winning that war for your personal finance is not losing the battle to your recklessness and your impulsive, you know, behaviors that lead to you buying material items or rationalizing, oh, I need this. This will help me, you know, create this business. And it's kind of like, no, your first business should be your personal finance of winning that war. All right. And granted, it's long term, but it's like certain things are going to just become a, a heavy battle for you if you find yourself in significant debt, even if you have other entrepreneurial goals. So you should prioritize getting your house in order financially before you try to create something else like a business or make a huge job transition or invest in skills to get a new job without at least having a few savings to the side. You understand? And the next thing too, is I want to tell you is that small expenses add up quicker than you can imagine. That is why a lot of folks, including myself, run into debt. We don't know what it is to spend after we get the funds. We assume paying back later will always work. But the only thing it does is have us working from behind so that the funds we do have after taxes are for our creditors and goes back to another creditor in the form of credit card debt before we can spend our money. All right. So you're in debt before you even get your paycheck because, oh, I can pay it back later. Not adding the fact that you have interest rate added to that credit card debt, you know, and even if you do not get into any debt, you'll have less money saved than you anticipated. So when you can... So when you do get into that $2,000 emergency, now you only have $1,000 to work with and feel that you must leverage another financial vehicle, such as a credit card or a personal loan to make a quick fix. So that's another danger, too. People figure that because they have no debt, it's no reason to adjust, address their spending habits. But in some cases, it's not the case. You know, people still have spending habits that are out of whack. They are causing them more problems. They are putting you in a cycle, right? It's a cycle that you must be aware of, or you will succumb to many credit card issuers out there. And that's if you haven't maxed out your current credit cards already. Guys, I've been there, done that, and it's not a pretty sight. It's not being debt free. You know, if you had that before, it helps improve your credit score, right? So that when you want to get into like buying a home and these major purchases, 
you can do those things. Or if you want an affordable car loan, if you choose to take on that, which, you know, I, I'd rather you save up money and pay for it, even though I didn't do it myself. I still recommend that. Having a better credit score will help you. And that better credit score will come from you paying down your current debts or have or having paid it off completely as well. Um, so just be mindful. Those small expenses, that's part of the daily battle you go through. That checking account. Yeah, that's that daily battle, guys. Like, just be mindful of that. Don't say to yourself, oh, well, <clears throat> you know, I, I could, you know, spend this little money here. I could go, to, you know, I could, you know, this is only $50. Guys, only $50, only $20. All you have to do is say that 10 times. That's going to be 200 or $500. Now it's becoming an issue. All right. So just keep that in mind whenever you try to think about, you know, winning the war against for your personal finance journey, think about these battles of are you saving enough? You know, are you spending recklessly or have you got that under control? And are you underestimating small expenses? Okay, so keep all that in mind. And then we'll jump into what I alluded to earlier in terms of our creditors. The next thing, guys, your creditors should come third. And I say should for good reason. All right, which we'll get into in just a second. But apart from putting money away, money away for a rainy day, i.e. savings, emergency fund, your creditors should come third. But unfortunately, depending on the size of the debt, it can feel like it comes second since it impacts your budget and thus your lifestyle. And unless you want to tarnish your credit for a long time, which obviously that's not good, you want to fulfill those payment terms and obligations you sign up for when you took on your student loan debt or your credit card debt or your auto loan debt or whatever debt you have. All right. Now, that is if you have any debt, which some of you were fortunate to avoid. Unfortunately, many people have lost the battle of debt before getting a full-time job with student loans. But some are able to secure a job to pay back uh, enough of that debt, right? So certain people are okay, you know, they may have $80,000 in debt, but their first job out of school is 80000 or in some cases, <laughs> six figures, 150000 depending on what you study. Um but in other people's cases, they may have eighty thousand dollars in debt, but their first job out of school was thirty k, you know, or forty five k, and they they're at a standstill. They don't know what to do. They even if they don't have their first student loan bill due, they just kind of like, man, I can't see myself getting out of this debt because forty five thousand is their gross salary, but then there's taxes, and then they have their their obligations, you know, for rent or to contribute to their household expenses. Because not everybody has like a paid off home from, from their parent who's like, oh, just keep all your money. No, certain people like myself and my siblings, we had to contribute, you know, that, because that was the dynamic of our household. You know, there's nothing against our parents, but that's just what the situation was, you know. So that's something that you should keep in mind when you, you know, uh, when you take on some of the student loan debt. Right. And, and but for, for, for others, unfortunately, you know, like I said, their debt is so insurmountable that they, they are at the verge of losing the war of personal finance. So forget the battle, right? They're already at war, you know? And I've seen this in the case with individuals with six-figure student loan debts and jobs that pay only low five figures with no anticipation or expectation for significant, significantly more income, you know? So like I mentioned, like, you know, you might come out of school, 150K in student loans because you go to a private university or at a state school, and then you are intentional about, the kind of job you wanted and you're making 55,000 or 40,000, you know, and you're like, you know, I, I didn't expect to be doing this. Well, that's what happens if, you know, if you're not receiving guidance 
while you're in school. And I think a lot of people think getting into school is the dream, but getting out and finding a secure job, I think is honestly the dream, a secure job that pays you well. All right. So you must win this battle by taking on more jobs. Since your student loan debts are not eligible for what? This job through the bankruptcy process. Right, guys. So if you have that a significant amount of student loans, I suggest getting another job. I did that when I got out of school after undergrad and pay down as much debt as you can while working a full time job during the week and on weekends. And I understand that's not ideal for someone who's a young professional that just got out of school and wants to live their life. So you don't have to rush and do it. But I say give yourself, you know, those first six months to enjoy the new job, going out with friends. But once those student loans come due, I don't want you staying in debt for forever because you staying in debt for forever, even if it's just your student loans. Guys, and even if with the government, you know, saying that they'll forgive some student loans. Some of you have so much debt that it doesn't really make a difference. And that debt currently is what stop you from being able to make other purchases like getting a home, you know, things that can actually bring you value down the road if you do it properly. So this is something you have to operate and address with a sense of urgency. So pick on, take on that extra job. You can't discharge it through bankruptcy. Take on a job to help pay it down. See if they provide grants to you even after you've gone to school. See if your job has a tuition reimbursement plan that can apply to the loans you already took out or possibly see if, you know, um, <clears throat> there are ways for you to even work um, uh, overtime at your job so that you could be able to, you know, not have to go get another job, but work more where you're currently working at and pay off this debt sooner than later. You know, but sometimes you may have to wake up and make a career switch, you know, and and. My recommendation is do not be stubborn about what degree you earned and understand that the job market does not care about your personal ambitions. And so you must pivot if you want to win this battle of debt. Right. Go pivot to that new job or a different industry that you are not interested in because it's going to help you financially. All right. You already did four years of school and not, not a lot of people like doing that. So what does it hurt to do several years of working and at least it's paying you something? Meanwhile, you had to pay for school. So that's just something to think about, right? And as far as auto loans are concerned, just be careful not to get an expensive new or higher price used car because people figure, oh, I get a used car, I'm fine. But, you know, you buy a used car that's highly priced and you may have to finance it. And guys, you're putting yourself in a significant hole, you know? And even consider getting rid of your car altogether, like I mentioned earlier, if you are in a metropolitan public transit friendly area. All right. If you're in D.C., California and New York City, you know, um, don't have it. It's not necessary. It can save you tons of money, as I noticed that even within my own budget. And for credit cards, that's like a different beast on its own. Right. The thing with credit cards that people have to keep in mind is that their interest rates often tops 20 percent. You understand? And when you have a 20 percent interest rate on top of the debt and the amount of debt that you're granted sometimes from these creditors, you're just putting yourself in a deeper hole. So be mindful of high credit limits because more often than not, your income cannot tackle that high interest debt in a reasonable time frame, right? When somebody offers you a $10,000 credit limit, you're only making $40,000 a year and you have 20% interest rate. How's that going to be beneficial for you? And then you also could get trapped with a 0% interest for the first 12 to 15 months. 
you know, because you, you figured, oh, I could pay this off before the introductory promotional APR ends. And it's like, no, when that promotion ends, you're going to be left with $5,000 sitting on that account because you did not pay it back in time and an interest of 20%. Now, how are you going to feel about that? You're already losing the battle. And sometimes that battle can lead to you losing the war. All right. That can be money for the bank with them credit cards, but a trap for you if you do not have a sense of self-control when it comes to your personal finances. All right. So just be very aware of that. And then I just have one more caution. All right. Sometimes I notice those who do not have any debt begin to take on this one debt most folks cannot afford in all cash. And you probably guessed it. It's a mortgage, right? And while some are responsible about choosing a reasonable debt obligation, thus making them prepared to take on unexpected ex expenses associated with a mortgage, some individuals seem to be taking on their highest qualifying mortgage amount, which by default looks at your gross income. And so by looking at your gross income, guys, that, like I mentioned earlier, it gives you a false sense of what you actually have. You know, because you can make $120,000 a year and say, I make $10,000 a month. But after taxes, you're really bringing home, you know, uh, 86K a year. You understand? You know, you might be bringing home a 96K a year. So it's not $10,000 a month. It's $8,000 a month, $2,000 less. And then you have other obligations. You might have children, you know. So when it comes to your gross income, that's what they, they, they have to do that when it comes to, to mortgages. But... Be mindful, your after-tax income you should consider strongly. And as a former mortgage loan officer myself, I can tell you that I always coach prospective buyers to make sure they had a budget in place and were prepared for potentially increased taxes. And if they had a second source of income, if their debt-to-income ratio was very close in terms of their mortgage obligation. So what I mean by that is that, you know, if, you know, they had a low, little bit of debt, you know, um, but they had a higher mortgage. I felt safer with that as opposed to them having a lot of debt. And then, you know, they, their income they're left with is twenty five hundred and their mortgage is twenty three hundred. It's like, yeah, you qualify, but is it going to be safe for you? You know, and some underwriting aspects, we kind of monitor for that. Um, but there are times where people are able to pull through the cracks and they get a debt that they weren't prepared for through a mortgage and they default. You know, it goes into foreclosure and I don't want you to have to go through that, you know, because if you lose that battle, it could essentially be like losing the war because having a foreclosure impacts your credit for years. And it makes you it makes it hard for you to take out any loan, especially if you end up like, you know, following bankruptcy in some cases, you know, um, so just be mindful of that, you know, but usually bankruptcy is not applicable in that option. It's like with other debt, but with your home. You know, you don't want to lose your home because it's going to affect your livelihood and your loved ones if you have them living with you, such as your children or your parent. So just keep that in mind, you know, but just know that whatever mortgage amount you take on is going to impact your lifestyle significantly. And with homes not being such a liquid asset, meaning it's more difficult or it takes longer to turn that, you know, home into cash as opposed to other assets. Is all the more reason to understand how much of a sacrifice it takes to obtain as well as to maintain this quote-unquote American dream of owning a home. So keep all this in mind that your creditor should come third, you know, assume that you have your debt under control, but they could feel like it comes second. So that means that you, you're mindful of the kind of debt you take on for school, 
the loan amount you take out for getting a vehicle if you decide to you know finance a vehicle and if you choose to take on getting a mortgage and how you go about that um, process and the amount that makes sense for you because when it comes to your credit creditors and having debt that's something a battle like I said you can't afford to lose right but if you do well against your creditors by having limited creditors or an amount you can easily afford it does the opposite effect and it gives you an upper hand in actually winning the war, not just the battle, but the war with your personal finance. All right. So there you have it. And next, we'll be talking about your livelihood. All right. And you can guess what that means when it comes to your personal finance. So the next thing I like to talk about is protecting your livelihood comes forth. All right. So what do I mean by livelihood? Life insurance and disability insurance, all right? Those two things matter so much. And I have both of those things myself, not at, not just at work, but outside of work on my own, all right? <clears throat> Life insurance and disability insurance does not get as much credit as it deserves, especially when it comes to those individuals in debt and those with no children. Listen to me clearly, ladies and gentlemen. If you are someone who grew up broke and with little financial resources, do not think that leaving this world is going to be any less costly unless you want your loved ones to bear the pain of not being able to provide you with or going into debt to provide you with a decent funeral service. I encourage you all to get a basic term life insurance policy that can cover any of your debt obligations and provide you with a decent funeral and leave your loved ones with income should you pass away prematurely. I know many of you feel like you do not need insurance because you have no assets. What your life, even after death, is still an asset to those who cared for you while you were alive. You may not care about losing the war with personal finance at that point since you will be deceased, but your family may lose that battle or the war completely if you do have children or your, of your own in a mortgage and did not, leave, did not have any life insurance to protect those individuals, right? You're going to leave them with all that stress, all that pain, and, and your family's going to have to step in and try to find a way to support them if your family are good-hearted people like that. Now, if you have to work a side job just to get life insurance, and not just life insurance at your job, but your own life insurance outside your job, then I suggest you do, right? Because I feel nobody, nobody should walk around with no life insurance, right? You could get a policy that can pay you half a million dollars, especially if you're young and pretty healthy, and it could cover you for the next 10 to 30 years. And then when you reach the stage where you've had all your obligations taken care of, you don't need it anymore. But the way insurance works is that, you know, you have qualifying events that could be when you get married, that could mean when you buy a home, that could mean when you have children. It's more reason to upgrade your life insurance so that, you know, it. Um, when I say upgrade, I mean increase, you know, its coverage so that it can include paying off any debt should you pass away prematurely, right? So, and sometimes the debt isn't just like, you know, the debt of paying off a home, but it could be the debt of like the amount of funds you want to set aside for your children to get an education should you pass away prematurely. You want to have enough so it could cover their educational expenses when it comes to college, right? So you want to put, you want to um, have a premium um, through your life insurance or a payment obligation that reflects how much liability you have, um, depending on what stage you're at in your life or anticipate to be within your life. So that's what I did. And you know, I got a 10-year policy because I assume that within the next 10 years, I may get married and have a family, children, house, the whole nine. But, you know, at that point, I'll have a qualifying life event. 
and I'll adjust my insurance um, to reflect that, you know. But guys, this is this is a no brainer. You know, I pay eighteen dollars and thirty nine cents a month for my life insurance and it, it it's worth it, you know. Um, so, guys, I suggest you do that. Um, speak with speak with someone about that, about getting life insurance on your own, because it can protect you and also can leave your family with some income. Right. Let's say, you know, you know, you guys didn't have that much assets, you know, but you pass away prematurely. Now they have assets because they have two hundred thousand dollars that came from your policy. Now, this is not death insurance. This is life insurance. So this is if you pass away prematurely or um, ahead of when you anticipated, right? Or the insurance company anticipated when you were passed away and you passed away prior to that, there's going to be a payout, right? And so it's a way to protect your life, guys. And it doesn't cost you much. Another thing, too, is considering disability income and by having disability insurance. Because, like I said, life is no guarantee there's also a chance you can get injured inside or outside of work. And you would want some income so that your lifestyle is not impacted severely. Disability income can happen even if you had like, let's say that you, you know, um, get into a car accident or you suffer from a stroke or a heart attack or something that makes you like wheelchair bound or incapable of being as, um, you know, physically healthy as you were before. Have disability insurance to protect that as well. Right. And even if it's, you know, you end up getting this disabled for a shorter, a shorter period of time, a shorter period of time could be very costly, you know, and you would want some income to protect yourself. Right. So having life insurance to protect your life in an event you, you pass away or having um, uh, disability insurance so that let's say something happens to you while you are alive, you're able to afford your lifestyle in both cases. Guys, in both of these cases, it can protect you. So don't underestimate that. And as a matter of fact, I, I probably would want to put this even higher up. But I just know the way a lot of people think, you know, they think about, uh, well, taxes is going to happen regardless. But they think about being able to live before thinking about losing their life prematurely and having money set aside for family. So this can actually be your third. You can swap this with your with your creditors because... At the end of the day, you know, you want to protect your, your life, you know, on behalf of your loved one's family and for yourself. So, you know, you don't leave them with such a burden. So just remember that if you want to win the war with personal finance, you have to protect yourself. You have to. And everything else is like a defense, but this is actually protection. This is protection that can yield something great for you. So protect your livelihood can come um, fourth, but I think should actually come third in some cases, um, if you can afford to especially. And this can be a first big step, right? Although it's very subtle, it's still a big step in terms of winning your personal finance uh, uh, journey. Because, you know, winning this war when it comes to life insurance and disability insurance and protecting your livelihood can actually leave a legacy for your family if you were to pass away. They would get some money from you, you know, not to just bury you, but also so that they could be able to live off past your death. So there you have it. Protect your livelihood. Now, my last and final point when it comes to your personal finance being a war and not a battle has to deal with your luxuries. And this honestly shouldn't be a luxury, but in, in this generation it is. And that is your retirement. All right. 
retirement is a luxury in this generation, right? Because a lot of people with the amount of debt that they're carrying and the way income has been versus inflation and other, um, you know, increased expenses, people aren't able to save and put away as much. So it has become one, but really it should be a priority. So if you have the opportunity to save, which some of you can, if you follow through with your budget religiously, then you can place this luxury item back into the necessity pile where it belongs. While retirement is at the later step of your personal finance, understand that this is one of the most critical aspects of your personal finance because this is your lifelong emergency fund when you do not have the physical, emotional, and mental capacity to work anymore. Now, many people say they want to be part of the FIRE community, which is, like I said, a financially independent retire early um, movement. And they want to have that lifestyle, but many of these individuals do not even conduct the research, much less meet with a financial planner to ensure that they are on track for said early retirement. All right. As a matter of fact, many individuals over the age of 25 and even over the age of 35 have not put a single dime towards retirement. All right. Not a single dime. And it, it just hurts me to hear that because, guys, how are you expecting to live? Later on down the road, you know, and especially in the lifestyle that some of you are living today, you're going to be worse off. You were, you were able to push through all those years of working, but either you're going to have to be working even to your 70s or you're going to live a lifestyle of, you know, that's the opposite of what you were living prior to hitting retirement. Right. Or you're going to have to have your children pitch in and take care of you. But you need to put money away so that you could be able to retire, relax go on those vacations that you want to during your during your retirement or go on those staycations and spend time with your grandchildren if you end up having any or loved ones or family members. But you won't be able to do any of that if you're not putting money away for that. All right. Now, if you say you want to have a humble retirement, you want to, you know, one bedroom apartment or live in just a room. That's one thing. But understand you're going to have a lot of complicated medical needs. That can be a possibility. So you want to just be mindful of all those issues and you want to be able to take care of yourself as best as you can. You understand what I'm saying? So just keep in mind that putting money away for your retirement is so, so important. And I know a lot of you hear that the earlier you put money away, the better it is unless you have to invest later on. So I suggest start off early. But the issue, like I said earlier, is that people are finding finding themselves in debt, you know, and so after taxes and have having a budget to just be able to live. They have these debt obligations they have to take care of. And so they're not even thinking about things that are critical for them, such as having life insurance or disability insurance, and much less putting away money for retirement. To them, retirement is so far off when they're 22, so far off when they're 25, so far off when they're 30 or 35. But guys, trust me, you're going to hit that wall probably in your 30s or at 40 and say, listen, if I want to retire at 65, that's only 25 years around the corner. And life can go by in a flash. So don't do not underestimate that and prioritize that because, guys, I want you to be able to live well, to thrive well and to enjoy your life. But you will not be able to do that if you keep putting off retirement. That is like like I said, that is the epitome of winning the war of your personal finance journey. But if you've lost this battle or if you're losing this battle now. That's one thing. If you're losing this battle 10 years from now, it's more of an issue. Each year that you don't get to invest in your retirement, 
Understand that you're not just losing a battle when it comes to your personal finance. You're losing the war. All right. And especially the closer you get to your retirement. All right. So keep that in mind that if you have a few hundred dollars, get into the habit of putting that away, not just for an immediate emergency fund or three to six months, but for 30 to to 30 to 40 years down the road. All right. So there you have it. Your final pillar when it comes to winning the war and not just the battle of personal finance. And that is making your retirement not just a luxury, but a necessity. So keep that in mind, guys. And I hope that you were able to take all the lessons that I was able to teach today and take a look at your budget and say, hmm, I got to make some of these sacrifices, but it's going to be for this purpose. Try to win as much battles as possible when it comes to your taxes, when it comes to your budget, when it comes to your creditors and avoiding debt, when it comes to protecting your livelihood with life insurance, and when it comes to your retirement. If you win all these battles, that means that you're winning, you're definitely guaranteed to win the war for your personal finance. But if you're losing in one of these battles, it's okay. You might not be losing in them totality. You might be losing in one aspect of them, right? You might have creditors, right? But the only debt you're struggling with is a, is a, is a, is a student loan or just a cr- one credit card. But it doesn't mean that you're losing, you know, all the battles when it comes to your creditors. So guys, don't try to take this all on mentally. Now write some of these things down, type some of them up so that you can free your mind and be able to see all this on paper and know that you can tackle each of these issues if you're focused and you can win. All right. And I promise you, if you follow these steps and you keep this in mind, winning the war for your personal financial success in the long term, it will come easier than you can imagine. If there's anything at all that I want to leave you with today is that we all must consider what is a priority in our lives in the short term, medium term and the long term. When we have a thorough understanding of this, we have a basis for making sound decision when it comes to our personal finances. It makes it that much easier to distinguish our needs from our wants. It makes it that much easier to sacrifice that vacation because you know you have some credit card debt to pay off. It makes it that much easier to remember the pain of debt versus the instant gratification of another material purchase that does not serve you much of a purpose to even begin with. It makes you more responsible and accountable for knowing where your money goes and checking if it reflects your budget. But the one thing I want to reiterate most about personal finances is that money is more about emotion than logic. As a matter of fact, money can make us illogical and irrational in our spending if we are not self-aware of our emotions. Unfortunately, emotions are fleeting, but debt or squandered funds is not. That $1,000 vacation was $1,000 less you had to fund your entrepreneurial dreams or your retirement. Long story short, I want us all to be more conscientious about the financial goals we have for ourselves so that it is reflected in our actions and inevitably how we perceive money in general. I want us all to be successful for the long term, but I also don't want us to become overwhelmed from the little battles that we may lose when it comes to our personal finance. We have to understand we must have the fortitude and the perseverance to get through that so that we win the war when it comes to our personal finance, which means and is translated to us winning for the long term and having a fulfilling retirement. That said, I wish you all a financially conscious and abundant future, even if it hurts in the present. And as usual, stay strong in America.